Oh my goodness, Starman has become Spooky Man for Chapter 13 of Starman. Negative 2. Everybody, thanks so much for coming back to the Aqua Cave. My name is Johnny C, and yes, this is indeed Starman, the show where we take the worst matches in history, according to Dave Meltzer, to trial to see if we can find them guilty or not guilty of their negative star ranking. Uh, if you've been following along with us here in the Aqua Cave, this is the 13th chapter in the saga of matches that are ranked negative 2. And it is Aquatober here in the Aqua Cave where things are spooky themed, if you will. And so, we've got a very special scenario, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of our world famous one match shows. Because why not? We do this sometimes when there's a very special match that needs a special amount of attention. And I think we have one of those matches today. It's the most recent match, if I'm not mistaken, that we've covered in the entire journey of Starman. Now, I don't say that to throw you off of wanting to listen to this. I was actually very excited to get to this matchup. However, let's lay some groundwork first. What we have done in the past is when we do a one-match show, and this isn't going to be a a massive show like the uh, King of the Road match was. That was a special occasion, okay? This one's a bit more serious themed. But when we do these special shows, we sort of go out of our way to give us context as to what was going on in the world. And uh, this match is going to take us to October 6th, 2019 for the case of Seth Rollins versus The Fiend inside hell in a cell. So, I started looking at factual information about this time period in our history of existence. And I came across something that's just staggering. And I debated whether or not to share it with you at all. It's not like you couldn't find it on your own. But I did come across this piece of information on a couple of different .gov websites. Okay, And according to numerous .gov websites, there is some belief, given scientific data that was collected... Uh, that the COVID-19 pandemic may have begun as early as October 6, 2019, the exact date of this pay-per-view. Jesus Christ, it's fucking horrifying to think about. I remember sitting at work. I mean, I, I'm i not trying to say that I'm uninformed. I, I, think, I think that I try to stay as informed as any sane individual citizen does okay um i remember hearing about this virus that was overseas uh i want to say around the time that i was thinking about the holiday season like december ish uh, is when it really came on my radar and people at work started talking about it like this could be uh, something to fear it wouldn't surprise me of course that we were able to gather evidence to mark it back all the way to this particular date It's just the fact that it coincided with the pay-per-view. I don't want to take anybody back there mentally. Uh, I just wanted to bring it up because I find it fascinating uh, in retrospect. And ironically, that year, 2019, I did get really sick around Thanksgiving. And I famously ruined Thanksgiving for my entire family. So, thank you, Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins, for making me relive this fantastic, proud moment in my own personal history. 
but I'm going to leave that one by the wayside. Let's talk about some more fun facts about this time period in human existence. So, what are you into? You're into music? The number one song in the world, the date of this pay-per-view, was Truth Hurts by Lizzo. Uh, Aqua fans, I am unfamiliar with this jam. I don't know it at all. So I listened to it in beautiful Dolby Atmos on my headphones. And oh yeah, I have heard this song before. It's not bad. I digged the uh, old-timey silent film piano that's in the background of this track. It reminds me of HBO's Watchmen. And anything that does that puts a smile on my face. Speaking of smiles on my face, the number one box office draw of this weekend. In its opening weekend, Joker by Todd Phillips. Well, as I'm sure most of you can imagine, I've seen this film a few times. I don't watch it a ton because it's a lot to take in and digest, but uh, it's pretty good. If you haven't seen it, I uh, definitely give it a recommendation. It's an easy recommendation. Uh, the day before this uh, premium live event saw future and former presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders suffer a heart attack. Sorry, Bernie. And uh, unfortunately, as is all too common these days, uh, the country saw uh, another mass shooting in Kansas City, Missouri, I believe, at a bar. You know, this was a lot more fun. When I did this for years like 1992, 1991, and 1995. And you know, things have never been perfect in human existence and they never will be. But for some reason, this 2019 conversation has really pulled me down to a dark place. I suppose appropriate for Chapter 13 and for a match that involves The Fiend. But let's look at a silver lining here. If you're in Sacramento, California on this date, you can head down to the local arena to watch the WWE present Hell in a Cell 2019. And God love them, it's in front of fans even though a lot of this era, unfortunately, won't be. So that's good. The show was a joint production of both Raw and SmackDown. It featured two Hell in a Cell matches as uh, Becky Lynch defeated Sasha Banks, I miss both you ladies, come back to retain the Raw Women's Championship. The main event would feature, fittingly, a very spooky encounter for October. Uh, Seth Regular Rollins, no freaking here, defending his WWE Universal Championship inside Hell in a Cell against The Fiend. The Fiend character made their first appearance on July 15th on Monday Night Raw. Thank you, Wikipedia. The Fiend would attack Prince Balor and easily dispose of him at SummerSlam. The next few weeks saw The Fiend take out superstars like Kurt Angle, Jerry the King Lawler, Kane, and Mick Foley. At the September Premium Live event, known as Clash of the Champions, The Fiend would attack Seth Rollins after Seth was successful in defending the championship against the handman, Braun Strowman. The Fiend's mandible claw struck fear into the freaking one, and even though they had never had a match before, the pay-per-view schedule demanded that this match be a Hell in a Cell encounter. The Fiend, clearly an undefeatable and unstoppable monster, the champion, fearful of his fate against a man who cannot be defeated. Sounds like a pretty easy story to tell. Hmm. Now, guys, this is a match I've never seen, and it's a character that I rather enjoy. Obviously, big surprise, but I missed a lot of the Fiend stuff. I couldn't do the Thunderdome era, guys. I couldn't do the performance, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Unfortunately... My big fiend touchstones are pay-per-view events like 
the box-like structure, okay, and things like that. So, knowing that this is the beginning... Oh, I did watch him win the title of Crown Jewel, I remember, I think, on accident. Not on accident, but I, I, I figured he was going to win the belt, and I wanted to see that. Um, so, it's a chilling case. It's a good one. It's a fun one. I'm super curious and into it. So, here we go. Not only a Joker quote, but it also appears to be the main lyric in this show's theme song, which was revealed to be a song called Here We Go. And it was also the main trailer theme for Kong vs. Godzilla. So, okay. I'm watching the premium live event now, and a voice that I don't recognize tells me that Seth Rollins is going to have to put forward a Herculean effort to survive this encounter and we get a video package. Now, that voice belongs to, upon further review, Vic Joseph or Dio Madden. Because it's clearly not Jerry the King Lawler. And those three people are the current Raw broadcast team. This video shows me an absolutely tremendous Firefly Funhouse sequence that sees Ramblin' Rabbit cosplaying as Seth Rollins. And then getting inside a toy-sized Hell in a Cell and getting the stuffy knocked out of him, literally and figuratively, by Mercy the Buzzard. Uh, Seth Rollins is the babyface here, according to the video package. I see him giving some sort of speech about how he's a hard worker and blah, blah, blah. Seth Rollins is fine, but this man should not be a babyface. He claims he will not fall for any mind games. It's time. We're in the arena, so burn it down! Here comes Sethy the Beast Slayer! Oh, I remember the Beast Slayer gimmick. He's out first, even though he's the champion. I noticed the red Hell in a Cell is here. I wondered if this was its first appearance. A quick Google search reveals, no, it's its second year in existence, so okay. And hey, speaking of Fiend and world titles in Saudi Arabia, if anyone's interested, the WDOWE Chronicle on Goldberg is on right after this broadcast, so... Stick around if you're interested. The Firefly Funhouse theme hits. We love John and Dad. We are friends. And this is a story that'll never, never end. No! Let me in. Here comes the 10th member of Slipknot. I believe he's their 6th drummer. I think he's responsible for playing the skeleton drums. You know, like a, a little skeleton you see in science class. You play the drums on it. Because fuck me sideways. Slipknot will play the drums off anything. But he also doubles as their skin flute on uh, you know player as well. It's the Fiend! He does have a nice theme song. And he has a fantastic Bray Wyatt face lantern that I am absolutely in love with. Uh... You know, if Bray Wyatt didn't find success coming back to the WWE as he just did, the guy could have made a fortune uh, doing the comic book uh, convention circuit by cosplaying as the Batman Who Laughs. You guys ever see the Batman Who Laughs? Put a cape and some pointy ears on the Fiend and you're halfway there. Um, I'm watching the Fiend's entrance and I'm, I'm seeing the crowd react to him and in my head, this guy should absolutely win this thing in like six minutes flat. Enough time to show your babyface champion isn't a chump, but also short enough to know that this match was over before it started. The King says the Fiend would give even Freddy Krueger nightmares. Again, we get a nice ovation for the Fiend. The door is locked. The bell rings. So order in the court! 
Remember, folks, bell-to-bell action is where we gather the evidence for the case here on Starman. Anything that happened before, any stupid shit the announcers say, that, that stuff doesn't really go into this. I might mention it to make fun of it, but the, the work is what we critique here. Here we go. Right away, we have a problem. And that problem has a name. Roxanne. You don't have to wrestle in this red light. What the fuck is the red light? I hope they learn from this tomorrow night on SmackDown. This is being recorded on a Thursday, and I will be tuning in to see what happens for the Fiend's return appearance. Right away, the Fiend knocks Seth Rollins out of the ring and refuses to allow the freaking one back inside the ring. I feel like the Fiend should welcome Seth back into the ring with open arms so he can murder him and have some fun. However... Seth gets a kendo stick from under the ring, and now the Fiend is like, oh, okay, come on back in. I like that. At first, I was like, this doesn't make sense to me, Fiend, but now it makes sense. Now there's a weapon, and Fiend's like, oh, okay, come on back in. Now now we can play. And and for some reason, it makes sense to me, knowing not really anything about the build-up to this match or anything like that. I don't really know what the Fiend's up to on a day-to-day basis, but this seems to make sense to me. Um, Inside the ring now, The Fiend is plastered with the kendo stick. He no-sells it, takes it from Seth, and immediately tosses it to the outside. Seth is grabbed by the throat, slammed down, and The Fiend does some theatrics to celebrate. Okay. Outside the ring now, and The Fiend introduces Seth to the Hell in a Cell multiple times. Dio Madden calls the pace of this match slow and methodical. I don't know. I think it's kind of somewhere in between. I feel like the crowd is ready to believe that Fiend is the man. But the match structure, because it's not rapid-fire sequencing, isn't quite allowing them to bite into that yet. We'll see if it continues. The Fiend tosses Seth Rollins into the steps with a little bit of difficulty. There's a lot of confined space here, and there's not a lot of room to move around. It looks like they've made the cell more vertical and less wide, in my opinion. The Fiend yells, Get the hell out of the way! to the cameraman. But I don't know. It doesn't quite work for me. Like, I have no problems with it, but I feel like the Fiend should grab the cameraman and get him closer to the action and maybe yell into the camera, like, Watch this, friends! Like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not trying to take over the... Like, I'm not the actor portraying the character. I'm not saying that the character... I'm not saying Bray Wyatt, the, the person's making bad choices or Wyndham Rotunda, whatever you want to say. I just... I don't know. I just don't know. Having him yell at the cameraman to get out of the way feels more like a Kevin Nash is pissed off he's at work sort of thing. The Fiend goes searching, though, under the ring. Maybe he can find some answers there. But Seth Rollins has recently graduated from the University of Iowa with a major in furniture displacement management. And he assaults the Fiend with the solid steel steps that he moves around. The Fiend decides to sell this strike. Interesting, because the kendo sticks didn't hurt. There appears to be no clear delineation from what hurts the Fiend and what doesn't. Seth continues to prove to his parents that his degree was a worthwhile investment as he grabs a table from under the ring. So more furniture, you see. Um, This table takes a little bit of time to set up, however. So Seth Rollins decides, well, fuck it. I'm going to use the time wisely and hits a couple of uh, suicide planches to weaken the masked monster. He goes back inside, and the table is now set. 
Seth makes a choice. The choice is to deliver a third plancha. However, he's caught. And the cell is now named Abigail. And Rollins needs to give her a kiss because the fiend does indeed deliver Sister Abigail's kiss to Seth Rollins. But his face impacts the cage and it's kind of glorious. Back inside now. The Fiend has Seth Rollins set up next to the table for what I'm calling a buzzard bottom. It's just a rock bottom or a urinagi, but you know, he's got Mercy the buzzard, buzzard bottom. I like the Brant's energy there, pal. Uh, he's going to buzzard bottom him through the table, but Rollins hits the patented counter to the rock bottom, elbows to the skull. Sweet freaking music by Seth Rollins. The Fiend is, the fiend is now on the table laying down. Rollins goes to the top rope and hits... A frog splash with no frog through the table. The fiend is hurt, and I don't get it. Like, I really don't get it at this point. Because the fiend is now up at full strength. I I, I get it. I don't have a... Pro- I, look, I have zero problem with the fiend being invincible. But be consistent with what you're... What's able to get you down. Like, why were the suicide planches enough to get you down to a dazed state... And this wasn't. I just need a little more consistency. Anywho, some sweet stomach music delivered by Seth Rollins. And The Fiend is now crouched over. Seth Rollins with his patented American History X curb stomp. And The Fiend immediately no-sells. Okay. Okay. More sweet stomach music. And uh, The Fiend is crouched over. Well, he goes for the stomp, that being Seth Rollins, but no! The Fiend is up, catches the leg, plants it down, and Sisters Abigail's kiss. I mean, the crowd pops huge for this, and I also enjoyed this spot. I just wanted to give it some dry delivery. It's like, here comes the second stomp, a no thank you kiss. It was really nice. The Fiend covers. One, two, no. Oh my god, I think that was a mistake. Seth Rollins kicks out at two. Uh, Sacramento has something to say about this. Boo! The Fiend puts Seth Rollins in a sitting position and stands behind him. And fuck me sideways, kids. The Fiend does a neck break spot like he's Arnold Schwarzenegger in a goddamn 80s action. I mean, The Fiend is cosplaying as fucking Commando or Jason Voorhees or even Zeus. Because he just, he snaps his neck like like it's commando. I, I'm restating it, but it looked just like it. I, it like, I love this. I love this quite a bit. He then tosses sack, a uh, sack, Seth outside the ring like a sack of potatoes. Vic Joseph, I think, says, does the Fiend even want to win the championship? Well, I mean, <laughs> the Fiend has absolutely been competing in a wrestling match, Vic. He's hit his patented wrestling maneuver dead center ring. And then he went for the cover. He didn't win. So what do you think, Vic? Look, I I don't... Look, obviously, I I didn't like this announced trio. But one of the reasons I don't like them is because they're so fucking overproduced they can't organically do their job. Of course he wants to win the match. But someone's in his ear being like, Tell him, does the Fiend even want to win this match, pal? That's not the narrative, though. Of course he wants to win. He wouldn't have gone for the cover. He's just inflicting more damage. We see this in matches all the time. I get you want to get the character over, but you're doing it the wrong way. You are actively working against what they're doing in the ring so far. Now, the announcers are not the ultimate betrayal here. I don't want to harp on it. It just, that really bugged me. It really, really bugged me. 
Uh, the Fiend now goes looking under the ring for some friends, and my god, he pulls out Malaty the Mallet. I don't know if this fucker has a name. I didn't know that fucking The Fiend had a mallet, but Doink lives in The Fiend. Uh, I mean, this, this, this mallet is beautiful. I want it on my TV screen 24-7. The Fiend, however, uses the not pointy end. Well, I guess it would be the pointy end. He uses the non-malleted end to sort of spear Rollins into the cage and pin him against it. Okay, but by doing that first, all you're doing is telling me you're not going to actually swing this at him. Like, it's, it's the stunt is not set up to do that. If this thing could be swung and exploded over a person's head safely, I would declare it the greatest thing in the history of our sport. But I don't. Uh, as Seth is pinned against the cage, we I hear a lot of breathy noises. I don't know if it's Seth or the Fiend, but it's a lot of... <laughs> Seth pushes the Fiend away and then delivers another super kick to create some separation. Oh boy, I'm already tired of the super kick. And then he does another... Oh God. And then he, he does three super kicks! Anywho... The Fiend is uh, crouched over. The mallet is on the ground. So, uh, yeah, fuck it. Let's give him the curb stop on the mallet. However, to protect Wyndham Rotunda, the stomp looks kind of weak. And I don't want people to get hurt doing this, so whatever. A better camera angle would have helped. The Fiend, however, is up from this, and he's in the ring while Rollins is still on the outside recovering from delivering the stomp. Rollins... Uh, springboards off the ropes and hits a flying knee. The Fiend is still standing. Rollins quickly to the top. A jumping knee. Fiend still standing. Super kick. Fiend still standing. Super kick. Fiend goes down to his knees. And we get curb stomp number five. The Fiend is now down fully. Curb stomp number six. The Fiend is still down. Boos start to begin. Seth Rollins hits stomp number seven. I hear the booze spreading throughout the arena. Seth is now staring at the Fiend, doing that wide-eye thing where he's like, oh my god, what do I do? I don't like this. You should go for the cover. Give the audience reason to believe that they might still get their way. Clearly, they are booing because what you're doing is is putting the opponent in a position where they can't possibly feasibly kick out given the narrative of professional wrestling and its history. So the crowd is turning against you because what they want to see happens is now, in their minds, not happening. The Fiend, however, gets to his knees. The audience does begin to cheer. That's a fact. A pedigree is now delivered by Seth Rollins. Followed by curb stomp number eight. The boos resume and they're louder than ever. Seth goes for the cover. One, no, what? Not only did the fiend kick out at one, but he's now popped up to a vertical base. Okay, I get it. I get it. See, to me, as a viewer, it's starting to make sense at this point. They're telling me The Fiend is unlike any character in professional wrestling that's come before. Hear me out. Stone Cold Steve Austin, as an example, can only take so many rock bottoms before it has to end, right? That's the book that's been written about professional wrestling. 
So what we're doing is rewriting the book and establishing rules for the Fiend character. It's been a little inconsistent, but I kind of like it. And again, it makes sense that the audience was booing because they're programmed to believe there's no way in hell at this point they're going to get what they paid to see, which is the Fiend holding the title. So let's see how it continues. Super kick! Stomp number nine. Boos! Stomp 10, booze. Stomp 11, stomp 12. Rollins looks to the crowd, looks confused. Stomp 13. Fucking hell, guys. Okay, just pause. I'm not going to lose my cool. The least you could do right now, Seth, is cover for a two count. Because this continues the narrative of how The Fiend is rewriting the book on how much punishment he can take and it's going to create a hope spot because now after like seven stomps the fiend was up at one now let him up at two that tells us okay the fiend has a, like six more stomps he can take before it's over however of course if i was booking the match i'd have him kick out here at two and then immediately hit the kiss and and win uh rollins goes down to a knee However, instead of making the cover, and just sort of stares at nothingness. Well, where's Vic on this one? Doesn't Seth want to win? Seth goes outside the ring. Vic Joseph talks about how he might be going to that place. Side note, wouldn't it be hilarious if someone wrote a movie about professional wrestlers, and after each show they hung out at like a cheesy, like trashy diner called That Place, as sort of an in-joke for all us fans? Back to the narrative falling apart before my very eyes and Seth not pinning for a two count and then losing. You know what, though? Is this really Seth's fault? I mean, he's not the booker or the producer. He can't create a scenario where The Fiend wins because that's not the booking of the match. Spoiler alert. The Fiend is still down. Rollins has a chair. I think The Fiend might be dead at this point. Uh, But The Fiend is laying uh, on his back, so he could be pinned. And you can see his face. Rollins is inching towards the fiend now as if he's the killer in a slasher film. And he wonders if he might pop up for one last scare. Rollins rapidly slams the chair down onto the face of the fiend. Wyndham Rotunda, the man, gets a hand up to protect himself. It's a bad move. Protecting yourself is a good move. Producing a spot where the other person has to expose the business to protect themselves when they're supposed to be a monster is a bad move. Seth finally makes the cover. One! Nope. Fiend is up. Okay, now now it's interesting again. See, but here's the thing. In my head, though, it's come too far. I think that we have already discovered the threshold of pain or punishment that the crowd will accept as, dare I say, accept as acceptable. This all goes back to curb stomp number eight, where the Fiend kicked out at one and there was a massive crowd pop. That was it. That was the moment where it was established the Fiend was unlike others. He kicks out at one. He pops up Sisters Abigail's kiss. You've got a, you've got a star. You've got, that's it. It's done. Congratulations. Uh, he's over. I lost my spot because I, I, I just I really wanted to get that point out. Like that was that's important to me how how much they mishandled this presentation. 
Um. Anywho, uh, is where am I? Uh, Seth, uh, we get a, a sister's Abigail kiss. No, wait, what happens? Oh, Seth gets a ladder. That's right. Uh, the fiend does kick out, but he's still down. He doesn't stand up, but he kicks out at one. So Seth goes outside and gets a ladder, and he pillmans the uh, ladder on top of his face, and then he uh, gets the chair and like puts it around the ladder. He makes a fucking ladder chair sandwich, and then he uh, stomps on it. He he goes for the cover. One, two, no. But the fiend is still down. He hasn't popped up like he did that first time. Seth Rollins goes outside. He goes to a side of the ring where whatever he's looking for isn't there. Okay, that might be his fault. I don't know. He uh, he grabs a toolbox from the other side of the ring. The crowd is openly rejecting this now. Seth repositions the ladder on top of the face. He puts the chair on top of that, and then he slams all of it down with the toolbox. He slams it a lot. The camera is cutting rapidly. The toolbox has flown open, and tools are flying fucking everywhere. And, and and the crowd has absolutely revolted against this because you lost it, man. You you this match was a test, I guessed, of the fiend character and getting, but you pushed it too fucking far. You've reached that moment where you're too far into sports entertainment for your average fan to swallow. This shit just continues, okay? Seth gets a goddamn sledgehammer, and he goes to hit the fiend. The referee stands in front of him, and he's like, Don't use that! Think about what you're doing! Is this who you are? Please put the hammer down! Seth hesitates. Seth then slams the sledgehammer down onto this big pile of all sorts of shit on top of the fiend, and and the ref immediately calls for the bell. As soon as the bell rings, Seth sort of, like, goes into the corner and quivers and shakes like he's uh, in a psych ward and and he's like snapped out of it like oh god what have I done what have I done what have I done what have I done but what's the was that the story here wasn't the fiend trying to push Seth was it like how far will you go Seth I don't know I didn't look into the future of this thing all I know is the match that's in front of me and all I see here is the company failing to realize that they could print money uh the crowd immediately starts chanting bullshit the cage raises up into the sky some paramedics show up there's still no announcement about who's won this thing rollins then checks on the fiend i don't know why he cares the fiend of course is just fine he springs right up and puts the mandible claw on him and the crowd actually pops for this thing here is the icing on the motherfucking cake the Fiend hits the sisters Abigail's kiss, and The Fiend is fine. The crowd chants something I've never heard. Restart the match. Restart the match. And then it picks up, and then the entire fucking stadium is chanting, Restart the match. Restart the match. They are fucking inviting you to, to print your money again. They're giving you the opportunity. They are telling you what they want, and you refuse to listen. The Fiend pulls up the mats, exposing the cold, hard concrete. I was going to make a concrete man joke, but I'm so disheartened by this whole thing, I'm not going to. Sisters Abigail's kiss, uh, mandible claw, some special effects happen, music starts to play, lights flash, the lights go out completely, there's massive booze, the copyright hits... The screen is completely black, and the only thing you can hear 
The entire WWE existence is one loud boo. This motherfucker was quite an experience. I guess Seth Rollins wins by TKO. I mean, I know it's not a DQ. I think this is famously the match where people bitched it was like a DQ. I mean, it's not. It's a TKO. It's referee's discretion. Like, I don't have a problem with the match ending that way. I have a problem with it being decided that it should end that way. This was tough. This was a tough call. Originally, behind the scenes here, I had scripted that I was going to declare this a mistrial and skirt out of this thing and not to render a verdict, but it all changed. And I'm going to declare a guilty verdict for this match. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt as performers and say, it's fine, don't worry about it, we failed you as the system that's in place to create successful stories and print money so we can share that money with you and make people want to spend more money. Um, I'm going to sentence the producers of this match and the individuals that booked Seth Rollins to maintain the championship. I'm going to put them in the wrestling jail for this one. And, uh, you know, obviously the pandemic would fuck it up anyway. So hindsight being 2020 is even less valuable here. But God damn it. After that eighth curb stop, just kick out at one Abigail's kiss and, and you've got a star. Or, Jesus Christ, Vince, run out there and tear your quads and tell them to restart the match. No! Restart the match, damn it! This is hell in a cell! I don't know. Of course, the man's completely out of touch with reality at this point. And, and I'm not trying to sound like an angsty wrestling fan. Like, I don't, I don't have fucking any skin in the game here. Like, I really don't. I I wanted to produce a show where I watched the worst matches of all time, but the Fiend character stands out to me as such a win that it hurts to see how hard they fumbled it from the get-go. And to just focus on that and to see how clearly these people wanted the Fiend. They wanted a presentation that was different. They wanted to give you more money to see this man destroy people. And you fucked it all Well, I don't know. Worrying about this shit is just like living in an alternate reality where you're telling different stories. And speaking of different stories, if you want to hear different stories about uh, bad matches like this or uh, other spooky wrestling-related things, or hell, in-your-house pay-per-views, all sorts of professional wrestling, pop culture, movies, comics, everything, subscribe to the Aqua Cave because that is what we're bringing you. It is a guilty verdict in case it's been muddled in all my complaints and what have you. It's Thursday, the 13th of October, the date this bad boy's coming out. I'm excited to watch The Fiend tomorrow on SmackDown. I want to see what they do, and they better put this fucker over hard. Fox is, Fox is paying attention this time. I'm sure they see Bray as a, writing, as a ratings getter. I want to see it happen. I want to know what happens. You've got me. You got me for one fucking week. Don't fail. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you. Check out SmackDown on Friday and see what they do with The Fiend. And I hope this little retrospective has been an eye-opener for you. It certainly was for me. We will see you next time here in the Aqua Cave. <laughs>